0: This is the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church of Ames, a podcast designed to help you live a gospel-fueled and faithful life wherever Jesus has called you. Well, welcome again to the Equip Podcast from Cornerstone Church. My name is Mark Vance, glad to be with you, and we are joined today by a special guest, one of our elders, Alex Tuckness, who also happens for his day job to be a professor at Iowa State University and have a specialization really in political science, philosophy, some of the intersection points of religion with all of that. And so I thought Alex and I have a conversation that we've been having that I thought might actually be helpful to have on the podcast around this uh, phrase that keeps popping up. Alex, I think we both see it in the news of, uh, Christian nationalism. I mean, we've we've been sharing articles back and forth, whether it's in the Times or the Washington Post. It pops up on CNN or on Fox. The rise of Christian nationalism, things like that, and a lot of them are coming at this and. I think it's fairly ominous tones, maybe, would be uh, the way to describe it. And so, I thought, okay, let's hit pause and try to define it a little bit and ask some real questions about that. What are the dangers? What are maybe the false dichotomies that we run into in thinking about Christianity and country? And so, it's going to be a wide-ranging conversation, but I think it'll be really helpful. Okay, so, Alex, I'm going to start you off with this basic question. Give us a rough definition or description. What is Christian nationalism.
1: Yeah, so so when when political scientists talk about nationalism, uh, they're they're referring to the idea that you know there's a, a state you live in, like the United States or the United Kingdom or something, but viewing yourself as British or English or as American is is a part of your political identity right and it's not something that happens automatically and so nationalism has to do with what are the things that cause people to have that kind of shared sense of political connection with other people and to view that people group as being like really important to them right and so nationalism is often whether it's it's russian nationalism ukrainian nationalism whatever right you're Uh, it's, it's taking your national identity and seeing that as very central to who you are and often to what the goals of politics are, right? It's kind of protecting that. So Christian nationalism in America is a particular version of that where what's often thought to be the thing that really binds America together is our Christianity, right? And so you'll see a lot of references to America being founded as a Christian nation, uh a lot of desire to see government regulations and laws that will support and encourage uh christian practice maybe even discourage non-christian practice and, and things like that and so what you, what you get is this kind of close like fusion between like christian identity and american national identity uh where where people kind of see these things as almost like two sides of the same coin
0: okay okay so we want to distinguish this a little bit because one of the first questions that i have Often when I when I see this out there is I go, okay, first off, is this just, uh, for lack of a better, you know, the mainstream media picking up on some sort of fringe group and amplifying it hugely? You know, we've seen the political discourse go this way, Alex, often in, uh, well, the past couple of years especially, where it's like the best way to basically win over your political opponent in a debate is to tack them with the label of an extremist group, you know? So Republicans try to get everybody attached to, you know, the most radical side of the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party tries to attach Republicans to the most radical kind of white supremacist side of the conservative, you know, political spectrum. So is this whole rise of Christian nationalism a real thing, or is this just made up by the New York Times?
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Good question. No, no, I think I think it is a real thing, and and that doesn't mean it doesn't get distorted and exaggerated sometimes, right? I mean, um, but even if it's distorted or exaggerated sometimes, there's something real there. So, for example, a distortion would be sometimes people assume when you're talking about Christian nationalism, you only mean white people, um, but there's actually interesting some political science research that indicates that there are actually black Christians and hispanic christians in america who actually share a lot of christian nationalist ideology right so like that would be an example of a way it's distorted um but you know in 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 some of the research i mean we're talking about millions of people who like based on the way they would actually respond to surveys adhere to varying intensities of christian nationalism so it's not just a, a fringe thing i think it's actually pretty common i mean i I grew up in in Southwest Missouri in the Ozarks. And now in retrospect, I kind of realized I was kind of growing up swimming in Christian nationalism, right? I mean, that was just almost the default version of Christianity uh, that I tended to encounter uh, encounter growing up.
0: Mm, yeah, I, I think so, Alex, it was interesting. I was just in Texas, uh, it's probably a month ago, and I was in a Oh, it's like a Q&A session with some pastors. And the guy up front said, I mean, I'm a pastor in a God and country church, just like all of you guys. And I remember thinking, I don't know what you're talking about. What? It, what is a God and country? What do you mean? And so I I talked to a few of the guys later and they're like, well, you know, like on July 4th, you get all the flags out and you sing the national anthem, and you do that stuff. And I was like, oh, goodness, I've never been in a church like that. And I figured out they all did that. Yeah. And so- that's part of where I, I was reading some of these things. I go, well, I don't know. That might be more fringe. And I realized in the room where I was, I was the fringe one. Mm-hmm. And they were the majority. Yeah. And I thought, oh, uh, wow, I, I wasn't as aware of that. Yeah. But I, I do think one of the things that popped up in that was when, when I pushed on it a little bit with them, and I said, I don't know. I mean, doesn't that make it confusing to people, the connection between Christ and... And country like that like you wed those so closely together and their first question back was something like, well do you not love America?" And I was like, well yeah, I love America I don't I don't see any problem with it. so I think that let's unpack that dichotomy yeah. a little bit yeah like, no. can you be patriotic and a Christian or is automatically if you're patriotic and a Christian you're a Christian nationalist?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things that was really formative for me, so I grew up in churches exactly what, like what you were, what you were describing. And one of the things I remember that was really interesting, uh, I did a year studying abroad uh, where I was a student in England and going in, I was expecting, you know, based on what I knew of, of English culture for it to just be a spiritual wasteland when I got there. Uh, But it turned out there was like a a really good Bible preaching, evangelical Baptist church (laughs) In the, in the town in England I was living in that I loved going to. But the longer I was there, it was just really interesting. Like, a lot of the things that had been just normal Baptist church stuff in America just weren't there. Like, they didn't have the alcohol taboo that I was used to. And like, I never yeah. saw a British flag, right? the <laughs> You know, the whole time <laughs> right. I was there, uh, they didn't have like a, an annual patriotic service, you know, uh, or, you know, we never sang, you know, God Save the Queen, at church, like none of those... And, and so what that helped like what that caused me to realize is like there's a particular way of expressing patriotism uh, that has become common in certain American churches. Um, but n- it's not like a necessary part of Christianity, right? I mean, lots of our Christian brothers and sisters in the world love the countries they live in a lot, but they don't necessarily express it in that particular way, right? Through uh through that kind of a service. And so yeah, that just kind of got me thinking about how we we often I think create a false dichotomy for people where we think either uh, you know you you like fully embrace this kind of expression of Christian nationalism or you must hate America, right? but uh, right, in fact right. there's, there's there's actually you know I think we could say look when we look at American history there's some things we're very proud of right and some things that are beautiful there are other things that we're not proud of and that are that are ugly um but but be, as a Christian, we can celebrate the good things right and we in, and we don't necessarily have to wave flags at church in order to uh both celebrate what is good in america uh to celebrate ways in which you know say a Christian worldview has positively influenced America's values and founding and and so forth um mm, and good. to to see like you know even if the Bible tells us that all Christians are resident aliens wherever they live, right we still live somewhere, right? And if where we live is America, there's a special obligation we have to seek the good of America and to try to be a blessing to our country, right? So like, so all of those things can be part of our understanding of ourselves, while still remembering that our Christian identity and our American identity are different things, and they're not anywhere near equal to each other, right? That our, our identity as Christian has to be in in very clear terms, like distinct from and superior to any political identity that we would have.
0: Mm -hmm. Well man, that's really good. And that, that gives a segue to kind of the set of questions that I want to unpack, which is kind of broadly to ask when we're seeing the, I, and I do think it's right to call it a rising of Mm -hmm. Christian nationalism. Um, I don't know whether it is pushed by the church or by politicians more. I think it's important for people to understand uh, politicians are heavily benefited by voting blocks that all walk in lockstep. And so they want you to vote in mass a certain way. It lowers the amount of work they have to do to get elected. Right. So if people are talking about the rise of Christian nationalism as nationalism a fearful thing, there are quite a number of politicians who are heavily incentivized to make that happen and would certainly like to see that move forward, right? right. So I, I think that that inherently kind of cues us into some of the dangers of like, ooh, we might be being manipulated here as mm-hmm. believers. Uh, we, we might be prone to buying into conspiratorial ideas and lies just simply because it's attached to, well, if you're a Christian, you must think like this. right? So let's talk a little, Alex, about the dangers but what are some of the, just as an elder and as a believer and someone who is working in the nu- nuance of the political understanding of American life, what are some of the dangers of Christian nationalism that you think the average Christian at Cornerstone or out there just needs to be aware of and thinking through a bit?
1: Yeah, so, so I think one is, um, you know, as Christians, our highest allegiance has to be to Jesus Christ, right? Not to any political party, any political movement, political ideology, nationality, anything like that. Um, and what's 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 tricky about Christian nationalism is Christian nationalists would never ever actually say, "Well, my American identity is more central to me than my Christian identity." Right? You, you you would never say that or necessarily think that. But in practice, what can happen is 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 the two kind of become fused together. Uh, it's hard for you to imagine the two ever coming into conflict, right? Uh, so you, you just, like, what it means to be a good Christian and what it means to be a good American have become so intertwined with each other uh, that it's it's hard to believe that there could be a tension between the two. And that's actually, I think, a dangerous place for a Christian to be in.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Because every power uh, of the world is fallen in some way, and that includes government, that includes our government. And so... Too close an identification can make it hard as Christians to be able to step back and get the distance we need to actually look at things biblically, as opposed to allowing our, you know, our, our political ideology to be shaped by a political party. I mean, there's yeah. a, by the way, even though it's interesting. The Bible gives us examples of this. So there, there's a point in the Old Testament uh, when the Northern Kingdom and Southern Kingdom have split, where the king in the of of the Northern tribes says, "Wait a second if people keep going to Jerusalem every year to worship, their hearts are going to turn toward the king of Judah and I'm going to be in danger. So I'm going to set up some places here in the northern part of the country so the people will do their worshiping here. And it's, I mean, it's, this is like textbook religious nationalism, right? Uh, Because what he wants to do is have your religious worship be something that is reinforcing your political identity so that the two work together to cause you to be loyal to him. But, in this case, you can see it's being done by a bad guy, right? I mean, you know, this, yeah, this, this isn't um, this isn't a good thing. And so, as Christians, we need to realize that as Americans, we're not immune from those sorts of temptations, right? So, I, I would say that's that's maybe the the biggest one. Um, second, I think there can you can end up having kind of an over reliance on the government to do what is better done by the church, right? So, so in other words, like when you say, well, don't you want America to be a Christian nation? If I have to answer that question, it's like, well, it's, it depends on what you mean, right? I would love for every American to freely and voluntarily embrace Jesus Christ as Lord. Um, Amen. Yep. Right. So, so if, if, if that's what you mean by wanting a Christian nation, I'm all for it. But often, even if we agree that that would be a desirable state of affairs, the question, well, how do we get there? And what's a biblically faithful way of getting there? Um, Sometimes Christian nationalism can cause us to think the key to getting there is getting the right politicians elected, getting the right laws passed. And if we do those things, then God's gonna pour out revival, God's gonna pour out blessing, right? And so so there's this kind of strong connection between what our laws and are, which leaders we elect, and outcomes. Um and I, I think that can be detrimental. I mean, actually, my you know, the time I spent in England may have been part of this too. They actually have an established church like the right. church of england yeah. is funded by the government and it's a disaster <laughs> right i mean the the uh churches tend to be much healthier when they actually are independent from the government right and and not relying on the government to to do that work and i think there's also just something right about saying like jesus came humbly preaching the gospel and inviting people to follow him right and and the church should be about proclamation and invitation not about compulsion and coercion, Mm, right? Yeah, absolutely. When the the state gets involved, you get a lot of compulsion and coercion. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think, and this is, is maybe related. I'm a, I'm a strong proponent of um, freedom of conscience. And so my, my, that both means I want Christians to have the, the freedom to be able to speak the truth about what the Bible says, right? If, If there are things that the Bible teaches, I want the church to be able to proclaim that uh, loudly and clearly and not face legal persecution, right, for for saying what the Bible says. Um, But that same belief in freedom of conscience means I believe all people created in God's image have conscience. And I want to respect the freedom of all people in created, who are created in God's image to be able to exercise that con- conscience. So that means I actually also want to protect the, the free speech rights of atheists, right? Even though yeah, I disagree correct. with them,
0: absolutely, right? I, absolutely. I want I
1: want all people, whatever their religious persuasion, no religious persuasion, um, to have that because I think it's actually God honoring, or like it's a way of honoring the image of God in another person mm-hmm. to respect their their freedom
0: of conscience. Hmm. You know. It- Alex even as you're kind of walking us through some of those thoughts what struck me so often is everything you just articulated are part of the heritage of an evangelical Baptist tradition of thinking yeah. I, I mean separation of church and state I mean that is a deeply held idea by That's right evangelical Christians because we in what we mean is not that there's no place for religious thought in the public sphere what we mean is we don't want a state church mm-hmm. why because we believe in the freedom of the individual to have an informed choice of consent of faith. Well, it's You don't want the government to be able to say, everybody's got to be this way. You know, I was listening to a podcast. There's a Sixth Circuit judge who grew up in Saudi Arabia, and it, he was a bad athlete, but he thought, maybe I could be part of an Olympic team if I did uh, downhill skiing for uh, S- Saudi Arabia as a citizen. He's like, I think I'd be elite <laughs> on that. So he was born in Saudi Arabia because his parents were living abroad. So he looked into getting dual citizenship. And what he realized is, well, you have to be a Muslim. Mm, Yeah. So that right there, that's an example of, that's a real thing in many, many, many places in the world. And it's one of those things that that's not an invention of the secular state. That Mm -mm. was an invention of the church to protect against the coercion of belief from a state power. And so when we, swerve into one of the dangers of Christian nationalism i actually think part of it is we're being naive about the way that we actually have conceived the christian faith we we don't believe in those state coercion ideas mm-hmm. and so anything like that s- yells out to me going i think you're trying to exchange what is your you know your birthright as a christian for a bowl of porridge like esau yeah. you're handing over something that is a treasure for the fleeting power of political influence and i I think that's always to be avoided
1: no that's that's right and i you know i i remember seeing something like that Uh, a long time ago i went on a, a cornerstone mission trip uh where i spent part of the time in thailand and as they were explaining thai culture at one point they said something like you know there's kind of a saying to be thai is to be buddhist right well if you're a thai christian and you converted from buddhism to christianity there's a sense in which now in your culture you're not viewed as fully Thai anymore, right? You're kind of a, a traitor to right, your nation, right. not just a traitor to your uh, to your religion. Um, and so, yeah, so this is not like a uniquely American sort of thing. Um, and I think it's it's really helpful, like you know, when you were talking about the kind of the Baptist tradition on this, part of the story there, I think is. There was a time when Baptists were a fairly new group where they were consistently the ones being persecuted, right? They were like, even in England today, when I was there, Baptists are a tiny percentage of the the population. There's a lot more Baptists in America than than in England. Um, And so when you have your, you know, when initially you're the minority group, you, it's not hard to imagine state power being used to oppress you. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right? And, so, right. and so that's kind of a part of our our heritage is is we have been those, you know, if you go far enough back, who were on the wrong end of government and state power. And so now the danger is, like, if you go to places in in the American South where Baptists are the largest religion around, we can kind of forget that. But I think we shouldn't forget that. I mean, both because I think in principle it's it's right, but also just practically, you know, in a world where um, the number of people who don't identify as religious at all is increasing, and 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 so forth. Right? We should imagine the possibility of future governments that aren't as as friendly to Christian. And the more we've we've done a good job of establishing rights that apply, apply to unpopular minorities, uh, that provides some precedent for us in the cases where we find ourselves as the
0: oh, yeah. uh, as oh, a yeah. minority. You know, I think as we kind of bring this toward a close and kind of wrap up a few things, I think one of the other dangers we've talked about is, you know, when the Christian nationalism stuff and all of the political hotbed that has been American politics in the last, you know, decade rises up, I find kind of two opposite polar extremes that are dangers in terms of how Christians engage with politics, Alex, that jump up. One of them is, a complete disengagement from all things that are political. Basically, you go, politics is accessible. It's terrible. We just are going to change hearts one person at a time, and we're going to be apolitical in the extreme. We're just rejecting all political engagement as Christians. And I do think there is something of love of neighbor and of working for the good of the city in which we live that we can take from the exelic. Uh, literature of the Old Testament that tells us that complete withdrawal from society is a bad path forward. Okay. And so, I that's I want to say to Christians, I think one of the dangers is in rejecting Christian nationalism that Christians just reject any engagement with government. And I think that's a great channel to do good for people. It's a calling and vocation for many that is holy and they should pursue. I think on the other extreme, you have people who so embrace the values of Christianity that when they engage in anything politically, they become no-compromised Christians in the public sphere. And so they've lost sight of the fact that being faithful means understanding the cultural context in which we live, which is a pluralistic democratic society. So just showing up, pounding on a thing and saying, my way or the highway, my morality or nothing, is unlikely to actually be accepted in our society. And frankly, it's probably going to backfire on Christians massively because we are very quickly not going to be the power majority or even the powerful minority in American life. We're headed toward a more exilic period of how we have to live as Christians. And I think that that stance of no compromise kind of runs counter to what wisdom would demand. I can't imagine Daniel in Babylon right. running up to Nebuchadnezzar saying, "No compromise ever," you know. <laughs> I mean, he would have been killed. It, you know, there's an example of that, you know, where right. they threw him to the lions. It wasn't like they were friendly toward that sort of thing. And so I just think there's a I, I want people to avoid the dangers of over identification of Christianity with America, but I also really want Christians to be a faithful presence in the political and governmental sphere. Yeah. So help that, that, us a little bit there Alex.
1: Yeah, no I, no, I I'm glad you mentioned that because I I, th- I think a, a misconception of what we said so far someone might get is we're saying, "Oh, so religion and politics should have nothing to do with each other." That's actually I don't I don't think that. Uh so in other words, you can you can find there you can think there's something troubling about Christian nationalism where there's this like fusion of the two. Um, But the reality is there is no way to engage in politics meaningfully apart from a belief in moral values, right? So, so moral values always motivate and justify the political goals we have. And that's true for people on the left. That's true for people on the right. Um, And so given that religion is one of the sources people turn to for trying to make sense of the world to figure out what's good what's right what's wrong and all of that Um, i would say i can't really imagine a healthy democratic polity that didn't have space for people's uh religion to influence how they view politics and so um and and there have been times in american history like you could think about in the civil rights movement the abolitionist movement right those would all be examples where there was a People acting from their religious convictions had a very positive influence on, uh, on American politics. And so, um, I, I, in other words, I think we can tell Christians it's okay for your Christianity to inform your, your views about justice and right and wrong and, and the rest of it, but there's still a way to be engaged in politics where you don't assume to be American is to be Christian. Right. Or you don't start trying to conflate uh, church and state uh, where you start, uh, you know, trying to use the state as kind of our like part of our evangelistic mechanism to try to bring people into the faith or to protect the faith. Right. So, um, yeah, and I, and I it, it takes wisdom and discernment to try to figure out how to navigate that well. Um, but I, th- I think there really is an important role Christians can play mm. uh, where their faith does inform their politics. But like you were saying, they're also aware that that politics is getting expressed in a particular time, in a particular place, in a pluralistic society, where we also need the ability to actually listen to other people uh, who are not Christians.
0: Yeah. Alex, there is a ton of wisdom there. Thanks for uh, taking the time to spend a little bit of time talking about Christian nationalism, and thanks for the yeah, role you've played as an elder and a wise voice in my life and many lives. So, Alex, thanks for the time. Hopefully, all of you who listened were able to gain something about what it looks like to be faithful in this area. So, Alex, again, thanks for the time today.